Is our number three of first stop here on TSN 1050. Aaron Karolik and Carlo Kuliakovo with you the morning after a big-time performance from a line that needs a name. That line consisting of Ryan O'Reilly, who had three goals and an assist. Mitch Marner, who had five assists. The first Maple Leafs to accomplish Maple Leaf to accomplish that feat since Doug Gilmore 26 years ago. And John Tavares, a lowly one-goal, three-assist performance. <laughs> Pretty good from a line. Again, we're looking for a name, and text us 105050. Tweet us at FirstUp1050 with your suggestions. Tons of them coming in, including one yeah. from Robert, who says the line should be called the bloodline. Leafs are in their blood, and they're going for blood. <laughs> nah, it can't be the bloodline, because when nah. I hear the bloodline, I think of Roman Reigns and the WWE. So Likewise. That's Likewise. been the biggest story over the last two years with, with wrestling. So it can't be the bloodline. Chris Edwards uh, from TSN texted Yeah, in. Eddie. The local motive line. It's not bad. So not far, bad. the best one that I've seen, uh, because they're all local guys, and they clearly have a motive. Yeah, so I, I still <laughs> their motive is winning. Yes. Um, so the MTO line, I'm going back to that. The Ministry of Transportation, Ontario. We we're missing the Ontario part. Right. And of course, all three O'Reilly, Marner, Tavares, Ontario boys grew up Leaf fans. A lot of people are trying the passion line, you know, like the passion that unites us all, the old tagline Ooh. for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Do you remember watching that uh, highlight video of the, of the Maple Leafs, the passion that unites us all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really brought up some good memories. Yeah, those and... are the those are the glory years. I think that was the Pat Burns coach team oh, with yeah. Wendell and Dougie, and yeah, it's uh, brings back a lot of good memories. Maybe it there's does. some new memories to write right now. And I, and I do like. I don't know. Has there been a new episode of the Blueprint that's been released on YouTube? Like the first Not one that I've that... seen, but I'm certain that O'Reilly and Achari will be prominently featured when it is released. And they, mm. those the Leafs do a great job their video team, social team, of putting out behind-the-scenes content and letting you a little bit, you know, behind the curtain as far as what the Leafs are like mm-hmm. off the ice in addition to what they are on the ice. And by all accounts, I mean, you spoke to this earlier, Ryan O'Reilly is just a world-class dude. Everybody loves this guy, and I think pretty clearly, <laughs> even uh, his performance on the ice starting last night, pretty clear that Marner and Tavares adore him. Uh, the way that they performed. Because th- think about what the Leafs have not endured. That would be a stretch of a word to use. But we've been talking about, all right, who's going to play left wing on the second line? Like, how, who are they going to find to, to fill that void? And, in fact, I, I suppose it turns out it's John Tavares mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a funny way, roundabout way, that it, it turned out to be him. But with Ron O'Reilly playing center on the second line, they had, at least for one night, a, a really tremendous performance. Again, 13 points with the three of them. And Sheldon Keefe talked last night, and Chrissy, if you want to cue that clip up, about the future of the second line. Of course, Matthews, Nylander, Bunting, that trio, I mean, they had two goals with it, one from Bunting, one from Nylander, so it's not like they were slouching last night either. But Keefe talked about the Ontario line, the passion line, whatever you want to call them, and just how long they might stick together. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't put any sort of timeline on it other than, you know, to, to just to say that I wasn't going to do it for one or two games. I think we, you know, we owe it to the to the line uh, to, to spend some time, some real time together. You know, it would have been easy the other night after a loss and maybe it didn't go so great to, to break it up. But, you know, I feel like our third and fourth lines have been so good. It's, there's lots of reasons to just stay with it and I felt like they were close. So I think it's a good sample of what we're capable of. You know, I still feel at the end of the day, you know, we're going to have John back in center and all those kind of things. But it's, you know, you want to build chemistry and you want to build confidence that if and when you go to it, that that's what it's capable of. Yeah, and clearly there is a lot of confidence from Sheldon Keefe to go to the line that they had last night, and, and rightfully so. They performed in a remarkable way. But I would look at this, perhaps not in a different way, but with, with regards to how Kyle Dubas approached the trade, bringing in O'Reilly, bringing in Achari two weeks before the trade deadline, almost three weeks before the trade deadline, um, on, I guess, actually, actually exactly two weeks on Friday. Um, mm. So that'll be two weeks from March 3rd. That gives them more time to assimilate, more time to build chemistry and build cohesion. And I don't think that can be understated. I heard Ryan Callahan on ESPN talking yesterday about he was traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning at the trade deadline, on the trade deadline day. And, you know, it just takes time sometimes to build up familiarity. And for O'Reilly, I mean, playing with Marner and Tavares, it might be easier than for Ryan Callahan. It was playing on a third line with Tampa. But it's pretty clear that it was a wise move to act earlier by Kyle Dubas, not waiting until the last minute to orchestrate the trade. Maybe he had to give up an extra fourth-round pick to get it done on February the 20th or whenever it was done. But I think that um, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they've got to be feeling pretty good about how things are looking going forward here, and rightfully so. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, You know, there's you talk about, you know, coming into a new team and making an impact right away. Well, both players have uh, with Achari and Ryan O'Reilly just three games in and have given this team, these players, this fan base, a lot to be excited about. And, you know, you just wonder, like, you know, we got with 20-plus games left, knowing who you're going to play once the playoffs start and not really, you know, uh, dissecting every win and every loss – because, you know, it doesn't really change or impact, you know, how your season's going to go. If anything, the only thing decided is who's going to get home ice between Tampa and Toronto. But this trade with these players have given us and Lee fans at least something to be excited about for these next 20 games, right? I mean, you you can't hide that fact. I mean, because, like, you know, people want to say and overreact to the loss against Chicago. I looked at it and brushed my shoulders, and I was like, huh, just another loss. I really don't care if they win or lose. At the end of the day, this is all about all going to come down to, you know, the series against Tampa. So, but, hey, um, they're giving us uh, a, a lot to be excited about with the way that they're playing and the optimism of, you know, what could be next with whatever next move that they make and how much better it could improve this team. So um, enjoy it while, while it lasts is is basically all we could say. And, and you know, try to make the, the most of what it is that you're seeing and, you know, really appreciate, you know, everything and more that what Ryan O'Reilly brings. I think you made a really good point about how there wasn't really much to look forward to or debate. I mean, maybe I guess the goaltending would be a concern, 
for Leafs fans, and, and maybe rightfully so, with Matt Murray going down and being in and out of the lineup constantly. Ilya Samsonov, not exactly the longest track, track record of success in the National Hockey League. But we knew, we know, and we knew it a month ago, maybe even two months ago, it was going to be Leafs and Tampa in round one. So what were we looking forward to? What the Leafs were going to do ahead of the deadline? And, man, did Kyle Dubas make a significant move bringing in O'Reilly and Achari, and it is paying really nice dividends, much like a Bell stock would. Shout out to Bell, our parent company. Uh, to this point, uh, at least three games in, uh, three goals and an assist for Ryan O'Reilly in his third game with the Leafs, his third, actually fourth career hat trick. Frankie Corrado will join us on the other side. Maybe he's got a name for the O'Reilly Marner Tavares line. Frankie, a very creative individual. Plus, we've got Sean Gentili of the Athletic in about 35 minutes as well. Ooh, locked and loaded. Quality guests in hour number three. We'll hear from them next. Hour three of First Up continues here on TSN 1050. It's AK and Coco. We've got the veterinarian on the line. You heard him on the Maple Leafs broadcast last night with Jim Taddy. It's Frank Corrado here. I guess do we have the D to D sting, Chrissy. Is that ready? Is that something we can play? You want to play it? Ah, you know what? You know, we'll, we'll skip it today. But this is D to D with Frank, and he's on the line. What's up, buddy? Hey, buddy. I'm feeling good after our little range session at the uh, Metro Golf Sportsplex yesterday. How you feeling? Yeah. It was something special. Frank and I, we rolled into the Metro Golf Dome, whatever it's called. The red carpet was rolled out. Frankie just put multiple holes in the dome. With yeah, his, I heard you deflated you know, the dome. Yeah, you did deflate the dome, Frank, so it was an expensive day for them, but a truly delightful afternoon with you, buddy. You know what? We're going to hit the ground running. Like, the end of April can't come soon enough. We were pretty dialed in for, for it being, you know, February. Yeah, I think that's the secret to getting your golf season started well. Is okay, we, need, we need to stop talking about golf because I'm getting the itch. Like, the more I talk about it, it's like I got a tease a week ago. Because, you know, I did it four days in a row, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I could get used to this. And then I come home, and we're set for a snowstorm today. So Yeah, there, it does look like today tough. is going to be a it's rather tough. unfortunate snowstorm. So we'll, we'll steer clear of golf, Frank. And let's get into last night's game, which, I mean, that was something special with O'Reilly and Marner and John Tavares. I'm sure Jim Taddy was going crazy throughout the course of the intermissions, and rightfully so. I mean, what did you see from those guys in particular, and what did you make of Sheldon Keefe's comments post-game talking about how ultimately he could see Tavares back in the middle at some point? Yeah, we, we were talking about this on the broadcast a little bit too, where the Leafs were up 5 nothing, and Taddy kind of posed the question to me. He goes, do you ever think you'll see O'Reilly playing with Matthews and Nylander? And I said, absolutely. I think if there's one thing we've learned about Sheldon Keith, it's that he's not afraid to, to try things and switch things up. And you even look at the move right away to bring, like, oh, put O'Reilly on the second line center and put Tavares on the wing. It's like, okay, this guy has a plan, but there's a few tricks up his sleeves that he wants to see how they're going to work and you think about a a playoff series right like you don't know what's going to get thrown at you you know there's going to be a few different scenarios that are going to get thrown at you and so why not tinker with it now and see okay they're going to do this or the game is showing me this I have this look that I'm going to throw at the other team and obviously we know the other team is going to be Tampa and if it's not Tampa it's going to be Boston after that but 
Um, yeah, I, I think there's going to be plenty of tinkering, and I, I would imagine at some point Tavares goes back to center. Um, but that line was incredible last night, and the thing that sticks out the most about that line is maybe if you don't think Tavares and O'Reilly are the most fleet of foot, they really let the puck do the work for them, right? Like the 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 having a plan, moving the puck, um, they kind of like – you know, they just moved it faster than Buffalo was able to keep up with. And there's a number of times where it's like it's quick through the neutral zone. And Marner, like, you know the way he can make plays in tight spaces and thread it under sticks, thread it over sticks. And um, that's going to be like that line will be quite the handful, um, you know, with, with that transition. But more importantly, in the offensive zone after, because, I mean, Carlo, you played with O'Reilly, you played against Tavares pretty tough to win stick battles against both those guys and now you have them on the same line yeah pretty pretty tough to win net front battles against those guys too um as the as you've seen so far in a short sample size and i i tried to you know war, warn people that we still haven't seen the impact that ryan o'reilly can have we saw him hit the score sheet but you just watched the more practice time that this guy gets with some of the other players i truly believe you're going to see an improvement with the rest of the lineup so um this is fun to watch it, it makes Leafs games more exciting to watch too right now because you know there's not really much going on other than you know you know who they're playing in the playoffs they're fighting for home ice advantage but with 20 games left you know and the fact that they could make more additions just gives us a lot more to be excited about but you mentioned working with Taddy and I know how I reacted when I saw Riley score last night when when you're working with Taddy, does he celebrate or does he does he like have a certain saying that he does when Ooh. when players score? Like, is Just he constantly bang. giving it Just the bang. yes guy yes or guy. you know the the oh, the fist bumps? Like, what's it like working with Taddy for with the games? It's on. It's such a treat. So when we do home games, we're at the Scotiabank <laughs> Arena. So he'll just kind of look at me, and most of the times he kind of smiles, and he's eating like a an ice cream or a drumstick or a <laughs> ice cream sandwich or something. And he'll kind of look at me. Then he goes to like write down who scored, who it's from, all that kind of stuff. And uh, then we kind of dissect it quickly, and we go back to watching the game. And then during you know for road games, we're doing it remotely, so we text each other. There's a lot of yes guy going back and forth. Basically, yes guy. When basically when we text each other, everything every sentence ends with guy. Like oh, it's geez. like that 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 was slow guy or um, <laughs> not impressed guy. <laughs> There's not a message that's sent without the word guy. So back in 2012, one of my first years at TSN 1050, I was the producer for the Argos games, and Taddy was doing the, the pregame and halftime and postgame, much like he does for the Leafs and the Raptors now. And I remember Justin Bieber was the Grey Cup halftime show at the Sky Dome at the time, the Argos winning that Grey Cup back in 2012, by the way. What a night that was. Taddy could not possibly have cared less about Justin Bieber at <laughs> halftime. He just sat there and, like, I don't even think he was watching. I'm like, Bieber, I mean, you know, he was playing Baby, maybe. Maybe Selena Gomez was there back in those times. Probably not. But I was loving it. Yeah, Taddy was not feeling the feeling the vibe back in the 2012 Grey Cup halftime show. So I'm glad that he and, and yourself, Frank, have really built that camaraderie, unlike he and I back then. No, we've, we, we've got a good thing going, and... Um, you know, I, I think even for, for after the games, like kind of talking big picture, um, it, it's cool right now talking about this team big picture because you know what this team, there, there's been things that have lacked over the years, guys, but 
How many times have they gone into a playoff series or been in a playoff series and you're like, man, that line is so hot. They can't stop scoring right now. They're, they're, they're scorching, right? Like we, I feel like that's one of the storylines maybe that we haven't had. And when you see the night that that second line, and I say second line in air quotes because on a lot of NHL teams, that's a first line. Um, but, you know, when you see the line, the, the night that they had, you're thinking, man, like if they can find that in the playoffs, that's going to be a tough line to, you know, to put away. And, um, you know, you kind of look around the league and think, okay, Toronto's got this line as their second line right now. How many teams would this be a first line? And I think the answer would be quite a few, like like many actually. So, like now. 31. <laughs> 31. No, oh. seriously, and, and you, you always talk about having that, that one-two punch up the middle. Well, now you have that one-two punch up the middle with a little extra with Tavares on the wing, and it just helps you with matchups so much more now. You don't have to worry about, um, you know, if your centerman gets kicked out or, um, you know, your, your defensive responsibilities with that line. And, um, you know, you go from a situation year over year where, you know, we were getting to the point last year where the second line was getting broken up, where Tavares and Nylander were playing on, on different lines and you were having to, you know, do some patchwork with those lines. Now you're thinking, man, that's a nice line to go into the playoffs with and you can use them any which way you want. Frank Corrado is our guest, TSN hockey analyst, the veterinarian of Cowden Woods. Frank, the Maple Leafs defense has been maybe not under scrutiny of late, but I think there's a lot of people wondering how Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs will approach the deadline with regards to their D. And I think back to last year, the shutdown pair of Jake Muzzin and TJ Brody against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who and how do you think the Leafs, assuming no major deal is made on the back end, will the Leafs utilize in that role against Tampa this year? Is it Riley and Hall? Is it TJ Brody? And I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know who it will be. How do you think that, that plays out ultimately? Yeah, I mean, okay, so first of all, I would be of the thought process that you need to still get a defenseman, and I want an absolute monster. Like, I just want a gargantuan human on the back end. And and the Leafs have enough players who can move the puck. Here's where that messaging kind of gets lost, right? Every team in the NHL is always looking for puck-moving defensemen. And to Toronto's credit, they've brought in those players. They've developed those players. They just have enough of it. That's why you don't need to go out and get more of it. So... Um, you know, like I just, I just want a monster back there. But let's say that doesn't happen. Let's say you can't get that. The price is too high. Um, you know, it's too competitive. Whatever the case may be, it's hard to not imagine Giordano being part of a shutdown pair for me. And if if Timothy Lilligren is going to be playing with him, then I, I feel like that's going to be a line that's going to get a lot of play against top lines. I mean, if if you feel different, let me know. But I just feel like. The way Giordano, like the way he blocks shots, his ability to move the puck, transport it out of his own zone, the amount of minutes he can munch, and, and Timothy Lilligren seems to complement that pretty well. For Lilligren, it's going to be watching out for the big blunder, the big mistake, but he's done a much better job of that this year. Um, TJ Brody, Morgan Riley playing together, it's a nice pairing, but I just wonder, like, Morgan Riley's played really well as of late, um, it, it's nice to kind of get him away from those matchups and free him up a little bit. And, um, you know, Morgan Riley's going nights now where he's not playing any penalty kill anymore, right? So you can see that there's a lot more emphasis from Sheldon Keefe's point of view as far as freeing Morgan Riley up, giving him more favorable matchups, 
and finding other guys to eat those those kind of grittier, hard-nosed minutes. But at the end of the day, Jake Muzzin, for, you know, we haven't seen him this year in a long time, but he, it, there's a big presence. It's a big loss. And I, I would love to see them bring in someone just massive who can clear the front of the net, who can cross-check guys. And um, it's not like, you know, it's not like a Neanderthal. Like, saying that doesn't make you a Neanderthal, man. Like, that's, that's part of playoff hockey. And I think it's, it's a nice compliment to the puck-moving pieces that the Leafs already have in place. You know, you, you talked about Morgan Riley, uh, Frankie, and there's a lot of talk in Edmonton pretty similar to the to the Leafs about improving their defense and there's a lot of people in Edmonton talking about Darnell Nurse's game and he plays too much and doesn't play enough defense and you know I I don't think Morgan Riley plays too much but clearly he can be better on defense and and maybe like you know the team's sort of um, message should be you know, not necessarily go and and acquiring somebody to replace or help these guys, but maybe there's a sit down that needs to happen. And I I, I would focus this conversation more on Darnell Nurse because I watched the Edmonton Oilers last couple of games, and for a guy that big and what he for the way he can play, this guy has zero interest in playing defense right now. And maybe maybe the sit down for the Edmonton Oilers and maybe for the Maple Leafs too is to pull these guys in and say, look, we don't need you to carry us offensively. Just play better defensively for us. Don't you think that's some could be a solution to both problems with both uh, Edmonton and, and and Toronto? I think that's like the bigger conversation. There is just more about expectations from your coaches to your players. Like how many times did you and I? I know I experienced this, and I'm sure you did too. Where you go to the rink and you kind of know where your game is at, and you know if it's good, you know if it's bad, and. You know when it's bad sometimes you're like you're just waiting for someone to address you and be Come like say something All right, to you. yeah yeah like like here's where your game is flipped and we want to get you back to there and then no one says anything and you're like what's going on here man this is the NHL don't aren't you guys seeing what I'm feeling right and and I feel like sometimes maybe coaches don't want to have that conversation because they don't want to rock the boat or uh, you know a lot of times they maybe don't want to say things that may come back to bite them in, in different conversations one way or another. But I'm with you there, Carlo. Like, if you see something, have a pulse on it and go talk to the guy. So if you're in Edmonton and you think Darnell Nurse isn't playing defensive, like, show the guy some clips and tell him, like, man, this is, this is what makes you a good player. And you also, like, you don't need to roast a player every time you bring him in for a meeting. There's plenty of good clips of Darnell Nurse or Morgan Riley or you pick the defenseman around the league. So maybe you show them that, and you're like, this, it's a little bit of a contrast. Yeah. This is what makes you good. This is what makes you struggle. So let's, let's try and find a way to make you, uh, you know, a better player and a, a net positive for our team. Yeah, like I, I was watching Edmonton versus, who did they blow a three-goal lead to on the weekend? I think it was, um, was it they Detroit? They a couple of them. They, they yeah. definitely oh, lost oh, it was Colorado. It was Colorado. It was Colorado. And like literally four of the five goals that Colorado that Colorado scored, Darnell Nurse is just standing there. And I'm like, dude, you make nine million dollars a year. Like, be tougher to play against. And, and you know, your team's lacking, you know, defensive structure. You gotta be the guy leading the charge back there. And yeah. it's just like also, somebody's just gotta just go say something to him. He's still a good player. He hasn't learned he hasn't forgot how to play the game of hockey. Just go make him a little bit more accountable and Maybe that's yeah. how you improve your defense. But you also have to keep in mind how how slotting players in the right spot makes such a big difference. It was 100%. for years. 
and listen, I love Tyler Bozak. I played with him. He's a good buddy of mine when we played, but not a one center, right? Like just never was. And if he was your one center, you lacked some, um, you know, some dynamic game breaking abilities higher in your lineup. But he goes to St. Louis. He's the three center, and you're like Stanley Cup champion team, absolutely slotted perfect, right? And you look at this Leafs roster right now. It's like. Now Alex Kerfoot doesn't have to play on the second line. He plays on the fourth line with Aston Reese and Achari, and you're like, okay, I like Alex Kerfoot. Like, I like his game last night because why? He's playing in the right spot. He's not being asked yeah. to do too much. So, I mean, you know. He's not like, to ask to be Leafs, somebody he's not. Exactly. Right? You look at the Leafs and you look at Edmonton, it's like, okay, if there's, if there's a defenseman in the mix there that eats up those, those dirty minutes and, and can play that kind of role that they're lacking, it's like, now Darnell Nurse looks better. Now Morgan Riley looks better, and everyone's happy. Yeah, and the same could be said about Morgan Riley. Like, you got this group of forwards here right now that, you know, can lead the way offensively. And he made an unbelievable pass again yesterday. That's oh, what yeah. you should do. Just focus on being the, 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 the puck mover. You know what I mean? Making good plays with yeah. the puck, but defensively, be harder to play against. That's it. Yeah. You're going to get, yeah. you're going to get your cookies on the power play and, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna burn you out playing thirty minutes a night, but when you're out there, play better. And, and I'm not saying Morgan Riley's playing bad. I'm just saying, like, as a coach's message to one of their players, just sometimes when you take a little bit less responsibility away from them and just tell them to focus on certain things, it's amazing the difference it can make. Just quickly, Frankie, I want to know your thoughts on the trade-related reasons these players are sitting out games for. To me, it drives me nuts. We're two weeks away from the trade deadline. You're telling these guys not to play games. Well, it's so vague, first of all. Trade-related reasons could mean so many things. It also like it also could mean that a player is banged up, and yeah. he's banged up, so we're not going to play him for trade-related reasons. You see how like the vagueness of that term can get stretched out? So, listen, if a trade is imminent, I understand you sit guys out, um, you know, you protect your asset, but no one's been traded. All these guys who have been sitting out for trade-related reasons, they haven't moved yet. Yeah. So what are we doing here? I, 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 I totally, I'm, I'm on the side of, of managers as far as protecting your asset. I really am because if a trade falls through, it sucks, it screws up your plans. I get all that for sure. But where have the trades been? Guys have right. been sitting out and there's no <laughs> trade. So like, How are these guys going to get better just after sitting out for so long? They get traded and now they got to go and play for a team that's expecting them to play at their at, t- at the top of their game. Like, you haven't it's played in two or three weeks. It's a little Stupid. premature. I, I have a feeling at some point Jacob Chickren is going to be 36 years old playing for the Coyotes still waiting for the <laughs> That's right. It could be. Uh, Frankie, a text coming in from Newmarket. I found a Frankie Corrado signed picture in an antique store in Niagara for $30. Steal of the century. Oof. You remember signing anything that may have ended up Steal in Steal of the century? Store. 30 bucks. That seems a little expensive, to be honest. That I love Frank. A little, it seems a little rich. I wouldn't pay 30 That's I inflation, would buddy. I would inflation. Sure. Inflation is getting Frankie Corrado, too, right now. Yeah. Corrado, <laughs> Corrado uh, autographs and lettuce. Those are the two things. And gas, I guess. Those three things uh, make yeah. it more expensive. Uh, these days. Francesco, thank you for doing this, buddy. Great work, as always. I'm sure we'll chat with you soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks. See you, pal. That's that's Frank Corrado, TSN hockey analyst. Jim Taddy's sidekick. Yeah. And, uh... You wouldn't pay thirty dollars. You wouldn't pay thirty dollars for a Frankie Corrado signed picture, would you? Hell no. Hell no. Actually, you know that, now that you mentioned it, 
when I play with Ryan in Buffalo, I had him sign a bunch of cards for me. And I do have Ryan O'Reilly, that is. Ryan O'Reilly. I do have his rookie card. Wow. You gotta give that to your son Leo. He would love that. Yeah, I have a couple of them. He has one of them already, but I, I did keep one just in case because I don't want it to get ruined. It's nice in a nice little protective case for me, so yeah, there you go. That too. The, the fine folks at Mint Inc. will love that one right there. Absolutely. Signed Ryan O'Reilly Absolutely. rookie card. We've got Sean Gentilly from The Athletic coming up in about 12 minutes. But coming up next, you won't believe what the New York Jets told Derek Carr in their free agent meeting. No, no, seriously. You will not believe what they told him. <laughs> it's one of the most outrageous things ever. And we'll let you hear it next. All right, so we're still awaiting... Aaron Rodgers' emergence from his darkness retreat. And I think the yeah, New York for real. Jets, when is he supposed? I thought it was supposed to be like three or four days. Yeah, maybe he extended it. He just enjoyed it so much. <laughs> He's like, all right, more time in the dark in some cabin in like rural Montana. Maybe but in he any case, just extended it. That's a good yeah, one. That's the a good the one. New York Jets, I'm sure, are waiting for it as well because I'm sure they want to bring in Aaron Rodgers to be their quarterback. They have long been rumored to be interested in his services and. While they await Rodgers, they've been conducting free agent visits, including one with Derek Carr. Derek Carr was with the Raiders. He's like maybe a slightly below average quarterback, maybe an average quarterback. Nothing better than that, right? Like there is nobody on earth that would consider Derek Carr a great quarterback except the New York Jets. Here is a clip from Diana Russini of ESPN, one of their insiders, and she details some of the things that the New York Jets have discussed with Derek Carr. I heard it went really well from both sides. And in terms of what New York was trying to sell him, because let's face it, that's what they're doing at this point. They were pretty clear with them. They, they told him he's a great quarterback. They believe that he's got a legit surrounding cast of players. They went through the top D, the strong young skill guys, the explosive run game. They ran through top to bottom of why Derek Carr can step in here and take this team not just to the playoffs, but to the Super Bowl. And they made it really personal, too. They said, we believe if you come to New York and win, you could be a first ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> honesty. Like, what? When you're no. going into an interview, you want honesty. Okay? If I'm Derek Carr and I listen to that, I know I've been completely lied to, and there's no <laughs> chance in hell I'm signing with the New York Jets. No chance in hell. Well, I don't know how many other options he really has, but he must be looking at his agent and be like, sorry, did they just they say I could be a first bout Hall of Famer? It's great to have people believe in you, right? But Jeff yeah. McDonald, our boss, isn't like, Aaron, I think you're better than Howard Stern at hosting radio. Because obviously that's not true, right? You know I mean, what, Aaron? No. <laughs> you're way better than Brian Hayes. You're yeah, going to replace way Brian better. Hayes. Way better. Well, I mean, you know, I think Brian Hayes would take the Howard Stern comparison as well. But I think what I'm trying to say is like, Howard Stern is a legend of radio, one of the most successful ever. Derek Carr, you know, let, let's be honest. I think everyone would accept what Derek Carr is. He's an average he's quarterback. He's There's mediocre. no way in which yeah. <laughs> this would ever, ever transpire. So... Yeah, that's a that's a tough one for Diana Rossini to report. She must have got told by that information. She must be like, geez. All right, I guess I'll put this out on ESPN. And, <laughs> and look, I can maybe understand what she's saying. Like, if you help the Jets win, it could definitely put you in the Hall of Fame because the Jets and what they represent for the city of New York and them winning what it could do for the NFL. Okay, I get it. But, like, 
Do you really believe Derek Carr is the missing piece for the New York Jets to let alone win the Super Bowl? They haven't even made the playoffs in a decade. Yeah. And now you're going to bring in a quarterback that has no profile of winning in the playoffs and think that you're just going to steamroll through the AFC and now all of a sudden he's the guy to get you to the playoffs and he's the guy to get you through Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Like, come on, let's be honest here. Like, it's not happening. And just because I, I... of that, if I'm if I'm Derek Carden and I'm listening to these comments, there's no way in hell I'm signing with the Jets because I don't even want to be close to that comparison you and know, if, put if, even if, more if, of that if, pressure. If Aaron Rodgers was told the same thing, I mean, Aaron Rodgers will be a first ballot Hall of Famer when he retires in Canton, no doubt. But could he be a guy, sure, in the right situation to lead the Jets to a Super Bowl? I could see that. I don't think that's out of the realm possible. It's a stretch, but it's at least feasible. Derek Carr, like, come on. He's got a 63-79 and 79 career record. I mean, let, yeah. like, we know who we're talking about here. Yeah. He's good, but he's far from great. So like, here's my other question. He'll never be a Hall of Famer. What is Zach Wilson thinking of all this? I think Zach Wilson <laughs> has accepted his fate that he's kind of out. So the second the overall pick after two years in the NFL is completely done. They can't play anymore. They've, they, they're appear, not investing appears, in him anymore. It appears that is the case. I wouldn't be It's unbelievable in how they've just completely given up on that kid. Yes, good text from Cheese. Inappropriate to read on the air, but funny nonetheless. We'll share it during the commercial break with you, Coco. Good stuff from our man, Chris Horvat. We've got Sean Gentili from The Athletic. Uh, He'll join us on the other side. Wake up Woodbridge in 20 minutes. Make sure to have the number written down. Uh, Maybe text it to yourself, email it to yourself. 416-870-1050 is the number. We'll open up the phones just after 9 o'clock. Be ready for that, Leafs Nation. But next, it's Sean Gentili. On First Up. The third hour of First Up continues here on TSN 1050. We've got a great guest on the line. He covers the National Hockey League for The Athletic, the co-host of The Athletic Hockey Show. It's Sean Gentili on the program. What's going on, Sean? Fellas, getting gassed up this er- this early in the morning. My God, <laughs> quite, quite, a, quite an entrance. Thank you, boys. What, what, time, yes. what time does your alarm clock go off? Ah, uh, that's classified. It, it, it was it was recent. I'll just say that. <laughs> you know, no. The, the real answer, the power move would have been. I don't even set an alarm. I just wake up whenever I want. James oh, Myrtle maybe yeah. will call you, bother you with something, Sean. But uh, uh, I'm sure see? Myrtle. Yeah. Myrtle's well. Myrtle's Myrtle's way too far up the food chain to bother with someone like me. You kidding me? He doesn't. I find he, that he I find that hard time down here. Uh, yeah, he's a peacock. Cool. You're a pigeon, right? Yeah. That's, no, that's no, no, it's the other way around. It's the other way. Around. So I'm sure there'll be some significant conversations happening on the athletic hockey show regarding the newly formed trio of Ryan O'Reilly, John Tavares, and Mitch Marner, Sean. I mean, what a performance from that, from that, from those guys yesterday. I mean, it was really something special to behold. I mean, what do you make of it? And how dangerous are the Leafs now in your eyes with O'Reilly and Noel Achari as opposed to what they were before? Man, I watched that entire game last night, and I'm I'm typically I'll flip around just because there's, you know, just just out of uh out of, out of, you know because of the job and all that. And man, I that first period that they played was magnetic stuff, and I hate to admit this as as an American who's like you know whatever. I half half the bit on our episode of the show is you know we try to talk about the Leafs as little as possible, right? But 
they make it tough sometimes. And with performances like that, man, that's it's sometimes with lines you just you can you can just tell, right? You see three guys and just know that they have something that's going to carry them for at least a little bit. And I, I feel like I feel like that's what we saw last night. It was fun. It was fun to watch. And again, I'm the last person who wants to admit that as you know the the resident Leafs hater in, in the in the building. But it was it was a, it was a, it was a blast to watch. Yeah, it sure was. It had its own fireworks. There was a lot of excitement, a lot of goals, a lot of action, and obviously you saw the big boys show up. But you mm-hmm. said being an American, you you know, is there a certain team that you focus on? You know, uh, with with your your chats, you know, uh, of one of the American teams that is going to be in the mix right now, come trade deadline. Like, who who is your focus? Yeah, I, I think what's what's important, what, the good thing that's happened for us, honestly, just in general, this is me and you guys and whoever, anybody who has to talk about the deadline stuff for the next 10 days is, you know, it does seem like there's more more brokers that are emerging, right? There's, it seems like there's more teams than maybe we initially thought out there who are willing to act as the bank for uh, for, for teams who are looking to make a move and are, and, and are maybe cap-strapped. So, I'm psyched about that. I feel like that's a positive development over the last over the last couple of days because everyone wants action. Everyone wants you know stuff to talk about. And you know, ten days out, and I know everybody was worried about the the cap situation, but you know, and, it, and it's always going to be an issue. But the fact that there are those teams out there that have space and are willing to use it, maybe help, willing to facilitate some deals, I think that's I, I, I think that's a positive thing. And it seems like a recent development too. Sean, you're based in Pittsburgh, and the Penguins have been a team at the deadline over the last, let's call it 10, 12, 14 years, seemingly always make an impact move, whether it's a winger for Evgeny Malkin, maybe somebody on the back end. But this year, it's been kind of weird for the Pens, right? They're kind of in that murky middle Mm -hmm. where they haven't established themselves as a playoff team, but they're certainly not going to be sellers either, considering Crosby and Malkin and Latang. How do you think Pittsburgh proceeds here leading up to next Friday? I think a really interesting interesting thing to play with Pittsburgh is I don't want to say it's new ownership, right? Because Fenway Sports Group bought the team, you know, more than a year ago. But I think there, I think it's fair to say that there's some, you know, conf- maybe not confusion, but but there's it's a valid question as to how as to what the goal of that ownership group is, right? Are they willing to add on, you know, assets with term? Are they willing to, you know, bump like? What's what's the approach there from an ownership standpoint? And we still don't know that because these guys are generally pretty tight-lipped when it comes to, when it comes to that stuff. So that's something to consider on the Pittsburgh end of things. But you know, if you're just looking at straight elements that they need to add, there's got to be a third line, you know, forward in in one way or another. It, it doesn't necessarily need to be a center, even though Jeff Carter's been an issue at, at, at times this season. I, I, but there needs to be, you know. Find find whoever whoever the the right fit is financially because that seems up against the cap, and, and whoever's capable of you know bringing some kind of element to the third line because they've had nothing right. You want to have some kind of identity on on your third line, whether it's speed or whether it's you know the, like four check or whatever. Find some find something that that you do well because that's what they've lacked really from their entire bottom six. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if that guy's out there. I know James Van Riemsdyk is a name that just pops up, you know, for a lot of different reasons because he's, you know, he's a pending UFA and he worked with Hextall in Philadelphia. He's a name that you're that you're always going to see connected to them. But they need to go out and do something because that bottom six has been a mess and and uh, and, it, and it's got to change if if they want to, you know, stay. 
stay in this wild card spot. Sean, what's your gut feeling on how this Patrick Kane situation sorts itself out? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like we, 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 he's gone through two weeks right now with speculation of teams where he probably wanted to go, and those two teams have t- t- decided to pick other players. Seems like he's playing mad right now, scoring mm-hmm. a ton. You know, should have had a highlight reel finishing goal last night, but what's, what's your feeling on how, uh, you know, the Patrick Kane scenario finishes? Yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys got mad Patrick Kane over the weekend too. You saw him, you saw, <laughs> yeah, saw that first really game. Nice. I, I think that was one of those, it's one of those games where, you know, you see from elite players where they just go out and kind of decide to do something like that. <laughs> you know, or he's like, all right, people are wondering whether I'm capable of, you know, producing at a high level. You know, guys, the season's been a mess for him. And I think he went out and, you know, answered some questions there. But man, I, I don't know. We need we need to find out for sure that he wants to be traded at this point. Because okay. the way things have gone over the last couple of weeks with with the Rangers going out and, and trading for Tarasenko, I think that kinda hit the reset button there, clearly, with Kane. Like he he obviously thought that, that the Rangers were going to be an option for longer than they were and that and that he could delay his decision, you know, longer the like longer than he actually did. So for, that's step one, right? Is figuring out that this dude actually wants to be traded. But then when you try to like you, you know you mock them over to places and you see you see where the winds are blowing, it does seem, you know, with the caveat that you know one of the hurricanes or or, uh, or devils aren't going to end up with Timo Meyer if you think they're the leader in the clubhouse. So who knows there? But it just seems like he's headed west. You know, everyone's he's getting you know connected with the stars as a possibility and the Oilers as a possibility. And you know this the the Western Conference look I think is is where where things seem to be rolling with them but this all comes with you know the 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 concept that you know he hasn't agreed to anything yet we, we don't know that he's definitely on the market so yeah that'll be interesting Sean Gentilly is our guest he covers the NHL for the Athletic the co-host of the Athletic Hockey Show Sean let's talk about a column you had in the Athletic recently about Don Waddell the GM of the Carolina Hurricanes their approach to the trade deadline. I mean, they've been linked to Timo Meyer. They've been linked to seemingly everybody because they've got a lot of money to spend and they've got a hell of a hockey team to augment leading up to March the 3rd. What do you think we can expect from Carolina? Do you think they'll push their chips in and really go hard after Timo Meyer? Yeah, they've got money to spend this year because of the Pacioretty injury, and they've also got a decent amount of space on their cap over the next couple years, right? So they have whether it's, you know, Carolina always, always, always values term over everything else. They're not in the business of going out and getting rental players generally. But, you know, you look at the way the winds are blowing, you look at the, the amount of money that, that that they have to spend, and you look at a guy like Kane, I think there is interest there. And, you know, yeah, it's easy to say, like, you know, yeah, we love term on players and we try to avoid UFAs except when they're Patrick Kane. Like, that's like a, you know, that's a nice little, nice little asterisk to be able to throw up there. But I do think there's interest there, and, and there's certainly interest in Meyer. Meyer, you know, whether you're talking about them or the Devils, those are the two teams that have been linked most closely with him. You know, he he had a lot to those group to the, to that group. He's big and he can skate, and he's got the he's got the player profile in terms of you know puck possession stuff that that those two organizations look for. It's going to be interesting to see to to see who ends up with them. But yeah, Carolina is Carolina is in it. They're in it to win it, and I think that's clear from. What Don said to really anybody who's asked over the last uh, over the last few weeks. 
Sean, thank you for doing this. I just got a word from James Myrtle that he's saying you can go back to bed. You don't have to worry about working the rest of the day. So enjoy the day down in Pittsburgh. Relax, kick back, maybe throw on The Last of Us on HBO. Perfect. You know, that's a good show. That could be something you could do today. So uh, yeah, we do appreciate I, I, you doing this for that, us. I, I knocked that one out last night, so I got, I got to find something else. But send my regards to James. It's been a while since I've yes, talked to him. I, I will. Very, very, very busy fellow. <laughs> yes. yes, he is indeed. Uh, that is Sean Gentile from The Athletic, the co-host of The Athletic Hockey Show. Fun guy, uh, a great listen. Make sure to check him out on social media. Tomorrow on First Up, we're giving away Raptors tickets, and here's how you win them. you got to listen to our podcast. There's a hourly clue in each hour, the first hour, second hour, third hour, and the fourth. There's a clue to the identity of a mystery Toronto Raptor. Once you figure out who the player is, you have until the end of the day to enter at tsn1050.ca. You can win Raps and Bulls tickets on February the 28th. And this week only, to celebrate the new Siakam Swirl McFlurry, Mickey D's is throwing in a $100 gift card and signed Raptors merch. Made with creamy vanilla soft serve, decadent hot fudge, and your crushed red Smarties inspired by Siakam's signature spin move and the Raptors team colors, the new McFlurry will be available at participating restaurants in Ontario for a limited time. Not really McFlurry weather, but I guess it's always McFlurry weather, although the snowstorm that's coming tonight, you may be looking for like a hot fudge sundae instead. And a McFlurry with the Siakam Swirl. <laughs> All right, we've got uh, Wake Up Woodbridge coming up. The number's 416-870-1050. How much has Ryan O'Reilly and his presence on the Maple Leaf and performance so far changed your view on what this, key, what this team can do? The number's 416-870-1050. We'll take your calls on Wake Up Woodbridge next.